listening to the Sermons Podcast for Ottawa Baptist Church. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. Just as a recap, so last week we looked at Ezekiel, um, and God spoke to um, this people, said to them, you guys have got idols in your life, and because of this, I'm going to bring judgment. And in fact, things are so bad that even if three people existed and lived amongst you, um, Noah, Daniel, and Job... I still wouldn't save you. I would save them, but I wouldn't save you. So these people are highlighted as, as some of God's, three of God's faithful, faithful servants. Um, just as an interesting point is that Daniel was a, was a contemporary of Ezekiel who was writing this. They lived at the same time. They were both in captivity. Not sure whether they lived in the same areas of captivity, but they were around at the same time. Uh, and so really, we continue our series of walking with God and how then, how should we live if we wish to walk with our God? Another point I pointed out last week is I don't like the term God because in the world we live, if I say the word God, generally we don't think of anything other than a God. This is the God of the Christians, this is the God of, the, of whatever other religions there are. Um, but we don't, we don't serve a God of anything other than Yahweh. We serve the God. There's a difference. So how, do I walk, how must I live if I want to walk, along, walk with Yahweh? The God, of God, the God who is the only God, the only true God. So let's um, look at Daniel. We look at his first trial, which is actually the beginning of Daniel. Chapter 1, from verses 1 to 7. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, and some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, into the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed, these are great words, man, these names, Ashaphanaz, the messenger of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and the sons of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, in whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision for the king's delicacies, and of wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that, they, so that in the end they might serve before the king. Now among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And, they, and to them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name of Balthazar, Hananiah, Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, and to Isaiah, Abednego. Um, so that's far to start with. And so basically, we're looking at six, 621 BC. Daniel is only 16 years old, and he gets taken captive. And, sorry, I've got the next slide. And, um, and so I see Daniel, so I can't read it, that's smaller back there. I see Daniel as a man for our time. Why is that? Um, I'll explain at the end of the slide. Basically, he was carried into captivity, but in the end of the day, he rose to be third in Babylon, third ruler in Babylon. And in chapter 6, verse 3, it talks about him being preeminent, surpassing, an ex extreme or extraordinary. He was above his peers. Um, and so um, what we see here is that he was, in verse 2, taken captive, um, and in verse, um, in verse 4, it says here, this is what, what, what he came across as. He was a young man in whom there was no blemish, good-looking, gifted in wisdom, wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand. Um, he had great attributes. He stood out from the crowd. Um, and that's not why I identify with Daniel. 
Um, Daniel's the exact opposite to me, in my opinion, as you would have seen as I tripped up earlier on there. Ultimately, he was special. Um, and, but he was able to hold himself in a time, in an environment that was totally opposed to him. And so that's where I mean he was a man for our time. As believers, we live in a world which is so broken. It's so anti to what we stand for. The laws that have been passed, especially in the last three or four years, are so opposed to God that we and ourselves are displaced from the very world that we would want to live in. We are not part of a community other than in here. When we go out there, we are no longer part of a community that can identify with our worldviews. So in Daniel, we have an example of a person who lived in a, in a time where he was totally stripped or pulled away from what was true and precious to him, what was pure and what is of eternal importance, and yet he stands tall in this environment. And that is one of the reasons I, I, I really enjoy studying, studying Daniel. Um, if you look later on in verse, um, in verse 6 and verse six and 7, and it, say, and it, and it talks about them re- giving these, these Jewish boys new names. So Daniel, we'll look at later on. Daniel means God is my judge or judge me. So Daniel's name symbolized that God is number one. And what do, do, what do they do? They give him the name Belshazzar, which is associated with a Babylonian deity, which basically said, and I can't Beth, I think it was something, protect him. That's what it meant. So every time they called him, it was an affront to everything he believed and stood for. Every time they mentioned his name, he was offended. He was grieved in his heart. And so we might have a lot of pent-up frustrations and sometimes anger, righteous anger in our hearts. How do we live? How are we to walk with our God in these days? Daniel's a great example of how you can do that. Because um, at the end of the day, um, even though he lived at this time, in chapter 12, verse 13, at the very end, God says to him, you go your way till the end, for you will rest or die, and you will arise to your inheritance at the end of days. He had this hope which penetrated and surpassed the current situation that he lived in. Um, And so... We, if we look at Daniel, we'll see how can we live and how, can we, um, how should we be living to bring glory to God in these times. So that was his first, uh, so if we go on to the, in the same chapter there, from verse 8, remembering that God is, um, God is his judge, is what his name stands for. So he comes in before the, before the king, he gets brought before the king, they're selected, you're going to be the, the up-and-coming rulers. Um, and as an aside, he was involved in affairs of the state. So you, it's not that you do, can't be involved in the world as a believer, but how do we stay not, con, not contaminated by the world? But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the king, of the chief of the eunuchs, that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. See, God, Daniel didn't worry about the consequences of what he said because he knew God was looking after him. That's what we heard earlier on. God is his provider. And the chief of the eunuchs said, Daniel, I fear the Lord, the king, who has bought, appointed you food and drink, for why should, you, why should he see your faces looking worse because you're not eating great food, so you're starting to look drawn and gaunt, and um, of the men of your age? And I love the way they write things in some of the old English. Then you would endanger my head before the king. Basically, Daniel, if you do this and you do not come out looking well and you look like you're malnourished, the king is going to tuck my head off and my head will become endangered. So Daniel said to the steward of the, of the, of the chief of the eunuchs, that the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Meshach, and Isaiah, 
please test your servants ten days and give them vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our parents be examined before you and the parents of the young men who eat your portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal to your servants. So he consented to them in this matter and tested them in ten days. And at the end of ten days, their features appeared better than the fat and the flesh, better and fatter and flesh than all the young people who ate portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the stewards took away their portion of delicacies and wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. So basically, from day one, um, Daniel honors God. And that's the first little tip I'll say. Whatever situation we see ourselves in, from day one, we need to honor God. Don't make an excuse for why you live. And it's hard in the world out there. For me, um, if I'm with other believers and want to know why I'm doing things a certain way, I'll say because I don't believe for me that that's God honoring. And God has challenged me in this, so I'm not going to do that. I'm not putting that on you, and um, it's on me. I make that, uh, but straight away I make a statement so people don't put pressure on me to do a thing I'm not going to be happy with. In the world, when someone comes and asks me why I do a certain thing, I say, well, I'm a Christian with conservative worldviews, um, and I believe this is not honoring before God. And I find that in the early days, when I was younger, I'd sometimes make some other excuse like, uh, it's not healthy, it's not good for you, it's better living. But ultimately, the question at some point, something else happens, and then I've got to jump around it again. But I found that in saying from day one what I believe and why I believe a thing, it sets the playing fields. And going forward, when I'm in the workplace and things happen, people don't try and drag me into that. Or they, they don't have to do this. They'll even apologize for certain stuff, um, which doesn't worry me because it's not me they have to apologize to if it's, if it's that offensive. Um, but from day one, he says, I'm not going to defile myself. And um, in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 6, verse 8. So 1 Thessalonians 5, verses not 16 to 22. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks unto the Lord. Um, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast, abstain from all evil. Daniel did all those things. He lived that out. He abstained from evil. The little compromises are what's going to take us out. The little compromises are going to um, defile us. As I shared last week, you start with a small thing, it gets bigger and bigger. The French have a saying, qui vole en oeuf, vole en boeuf. Who steals an egg will steal a cow. And spiritually, it's the same thing. If we start with a small compromise, it's not that a big deal. Ultimately, it'll lead down the line. It'll go down, the, we'll go down something bigger. Same with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't start, they didn't worship the, the, the bow down before the statue. Right from the beginning, when the challenge was there, they stood up to it. But he was also prepared to live with the consequences. And we might not, we, I might have to really go fast through it, but when you get to the Daniel in the lion's den, he didn't, he didn't ignore that edict because he knew God was going to save him. He ignored the edict because he served God, because God was his judge, not the king's law. Um, at the end of the day, God saved him, but he had no assurance of that before the event. And therefore, God blessed him. And when we wrap up the series, I'll, I'll look at what blessed means. Because in this three guy, the three guys that we're looking at all have great endings. But sometimes in our lives as believers, the endings aren't that great. But does that mean we're not blessed? Well, we'll look at that next week. Romans, Romans 12, verses 17 to 18. And I love this verse, and I actually feel very strongly about it. Daniel's life um, really symbolized this. He really did this. He, Daniel only spoke when he was asked or when he was personally challenged. He didn't climb on a soapbox or campaign for anything. 
And so if you see here in Romans chapter 12, verses 17 to 20, it says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Not in the sight of the church, in the sight of all men. If it is a possible, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And Daniel was living in a godless environment, and he always spoke respectfully to his leaders. He always honored the king. He always honored the law. He honored the law. You say, well, how do you do that? In the lion's den, he prayed, and the law said if you prayed, you, went to, you got eaten. So he honored the law. He prayed, and he got eaten. Because God was his judge. No, he didn't get eaten. He was thrown into the potential of being eaten. God was his judge. And I think, look, at the world we live in now, where we've actually... We've actually accepted, we've actually been tainted a bit by democracy in the sense that we feel everything's our right. We feel we have to champion the cause that New Zealand has lost if we don't bandy together, sign petitions, and get laws changed. <laughs> it's not what the Bible says. The Bible says serve God. Yeah, I've got nothing against democracy. I'm quite glad we're in a democratic country. I've got no problems about voting and, and putting petitions on things. I've done it myself. But I don't get pent up and hit up about it. Because I'm not saved because of a petition. I'm not saved because we pray a prayer in a school or don't pray a prayer in a school. Um, Daniel wasn't saved because, he was, because of anything other than he served God and God honored that. And I think we could take a lot of stress out of our lives if we realize that, that the ability for God to deliver isn't based on my abilities. And in fact, I need to live more peaceably. Jacinda needs to see the grace of God in my life that I can love and pray for her, but I can still say, Jacinda, you're wrong. The late-term abortion rule is not of God. But I don't have to become aggressive or militant about it. Um, it's really challenged me that, especially today. And that's where we'll stand out from the world. The world at the moment sees, unfortunately, a lot of times Christians as crazy conspiracy theorists who are making a lot of noise, instead of like Daniel, living quietly, but involved. Daniel, as I said, he was in the courts. He was very involved. Um, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 12 to 19, get back here. We get to the lion's den. The, 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 we get to the, the part about um, where he's going to be. Um, sorry about that. Um, where the, the edict is made that if you pray to anybody else but the, but the ruler, that um, you will, you'll be sentenced to death. Um, and we know the story well of the, of, of the lion's den. So what happens is um, the people realized that there was no other way that they could... Um, sorry, I've, I've jumped it here. I'll go part three. There's no other way that they can trap, um, trap Daniel unless they get him from his uh, things to do with his God. And um, so over here, if we go to uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, It says here, And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these were governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satrap might give account of them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then Daniel distinguished himself above all the governors. He was more excellent, I've mentioned that. And so everyone was jealous in verse 4. They sought to find a way that they might charge Daniel concerning the kingdom but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Challenge to my life, can people in the workplace find fault against me? Am I faithful in what I do? Is there no error or fault in the way I do conduct my life? Then these men said, we will not find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. 
And so Daniel's life was so God-centered that they said, if we're going to trap Daniel, what we have to do is we have to trap him with things that he believed. And we know the story. So they go to the king and say, king, you're a great king. We should think we should all serve you. Let's pass a rule. If no one serves you, we're going to, they'll be executed. We'll throw them into the lion's den. And what does Daniel do? Daniel reads the law. This is in verse 10. And when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went to his home, into his upper room, and uh, opened the windows towards Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks to God, as was his custom in the early days. So Daniel does nothing different. He just goes, he reads, there's a law. He's not rattled by it. He doesn't feel he has to get everyone together. Um, we've got to make a plan. We've got to get through this. He just says, God is my judge. And he goes and prays to the Lord. And the Lord, um, and then he gets on with his life. And then they come and they arrest him and throw him into the lion's den. And, and the whole thing is no melodrama. There's no, absolutely no melodrama in the whole thing. In verse 10 to... 11, it says, um, that was the part I read there, but later on where it says, at, at the very end, um, it says here in verse 20, so at the end, next day, so he's thrown into the lion's den, the king comes out and says to him, laminate, says with a laminating voice to Daniel, shouts into the pit, the king spoke, saying, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, the world will know if we're serving God properly, they'll know that God is living. And he says, living, servant of living God, whom you serve continually. His life was consistent. Has, um, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel answered, O king, live forever. Once again, Daniel doesn't say, O king, you fool, why did you allow this to happen? He says, O king, live forever. Why? Because God was his judge. The king wasn't his judge. The king had no control over Daniel. He had his control. Of, he didn't even have control over his life or death. Um, the law was that Daniel would die, but he didn't die because Daniel put God first in his life. And the part that I got muddled up there, the first part was the when the the king has a dream and he says, um, "What's the dream?" And no one can tell him because obviously he hasn't told him the dream. So he sets up a law saying, "Go and destroy all the wise men, go all the astrologers and all the wise men, go and kill them because I can't have my dream." And uh, Daniel, they come to actually execute Daniel. Daniel doesn't panic. He doesn't lose the plot. He just says, why is this happening? They tell him. He says, can I speak to the king? He speaks to the king. But before that, he goes to his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he, um, he says, pray. Let's seek God on this. So it's not just in himself. He gets them together. There he gets the corporate, other believers together, prays. And then God reveals them the dream and the, what the dream was about. And all, not just Daniel, but all this... The, the, the wise men are saved of the land because of his faithfulness. And in that story, we see that some of the, one of the other important things is Daniel wasn't an island. He had other, believe, other people of like mind that he worked with. He sought out people who believed the same as he did. There weren't many, unfortunately. There were three. There were three. And in your and my life, who do you seek out? Who do I seek out to encourage me, to give me direction? Is it people who are sold out for the Lord, who can encourage and correct me where necessary, or is it people who are going to who f jump around the bush, who give me answers I want to hear, or give me worldly wisdom into my life? Daniel sought out godly instruction and godly direction for his life. So, the last, in conclusion, what do we have? Daniel's name meant God is my judge. 
or God rules me. The world around him tried to blot that out by renaming his name, saying, the Babylonian God will look after you. But Daniel refused to accept that. People can call you anything. They can say whatever they want. It's what's inside here and what you're confessing that's important. And even though they tried to label him with a Babylonian God, he still would pray to Jerusalem, to the God of Jerusalem three times a day, and he would seek God's face. Daniel's life was characterized by the following. Faith. He just believed God. He just trusted God. And it wasn't faith that things would necessarily work out. Well, it doesn't say, it doesn't say he didn't have that faith. He had faith it would. But it wasn't faith in the way we think of faith. Sometimes we don't say, have faith and you'll be healed. His faith wasn't to be healed. His faith was that God is in control irrespective of whether or not I get healed. Um, it was a much deeper faith than that. Prayer. Really important. It's really important we pray without ceasing. It's, it's important that we set, he set time aside. And in the world that we live, it's so hard. And there's so many things that happen. But we also really have more free time than we realize. If you're not sure, go and do a check. Go and track your time and see how much time you spend doing certain things. And you'll see you've got a lot more free time than you realize to pray or to read scripture. He had courage because he trusted God. But he was also consistent. He was consistent. His life was consistent from beginning to end. From 16, now the, the lion's den scenario happened when he was about 80. So that's a long time. So for more than 80 years, he served God from 16 all the way to past 80 um, and never wavered, never changed. And there was a lack of compromise. And to me, that's the, in my own life personally, that's been the, not that I don't compromise, we all comp uh, there's a lot of hypocrisy in my, own, in my own life at times, but when I get the no compromise thing sorted, my life is a lot easier. When I set a standard and I walk to that, or, or not a standard, when God challenges me about a thing in my life, and I say that no further, and I confess it in the environment. Sometimes it's bluntly, sometimes it's gently, but if I confess it, it becomes, life becomes so much easier. And God helps you through that. He gives you the ability to say, okay, I'm not going to let myself be contaminated by those things. Romans 12 verse 12 is a, is a verse that I, that I really love. Um, and it just sums up, I think, Daniel's, the way Daniel lived. He rejoiced in hope, he was patient in tribulation, and he continued steadfastly in prayer. So um, in short, he has, because Daniel is still with us, but he's the cloud of witnesses at the moment, he has a heart for God. Um, so yeah, so that's, um, if the worship team can come up and we'll close with, a, with the last song. Um, there's a lot that I wanted to say there, and maybe I rushed through it a bit. The verses are there. Go through it in your time and, and just go and look at it and, and just say, and remember that Daniel, we often put the Old Testament characters into situations that are different to ourselves. He lived in a very evil world. He lived in a politically tumultuous environment and he was a loner in his mindset with, or alone in a small group, only a few of them who thought the things the same way. But yet he purposed not to serve God. He drew near to God and God kept him. Amen. Thanks for checking out our sermons podcast today. For more information on Ottawa Baptist Church, please visit our website at www.ottawabaptist.com.